welcome to ConExec, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today, we welcome in Parker Young, who is the president of Strive Construction. Parker, how are you doing today? Good, good. It, uh, <laughs> it's nice to meet, meet with you, Matt, and, and look forward to the discussion today. Absolutely. Certainly looking forward to it. So going right into it, Parker, if you would uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, Parker, and, and, and kind of how you arrived where you are um, in, in your current role and, and a little bit about your career. Well, I, uh, um, it's, it's a bit of a journey. Uh, I started out, uh, uh, grew up here in the Kansas City area, went to Kansas State University and um, went into the architectural engineering program. I uh, was in that program for three years. I got through Calc 1, 2, 3, differential equations, engineering physics, Chem 1 and 2. Got my GPA good and low and then switched to construction science. So uh, I was on the extended plan because um, not many of those math uh, <laughs> math classes get transferred over very well. So um, graduated from K-State and went to work for a, a production home builder up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, learned a lot there, learned uh, some things that I didn't want to do. Um, I always had thought that the thing I would love most is building houses and the excitement and enthusiasm that uh, the buyers are experiencing. And, you know, there were there were some that were that way, but uh, it was abundantly clear that, that it's true when they say the three most stressful things are getting married, having kids, or building your, your house. And uh, that that was just, it wasn't nearly as fun as enjoyable. So I uh, reached back out to my advisor at K-State and uh, asked if he knew of anybody in Kansas City that was looking. Um, my wife and I were eager to get back. Our family, friends were there. And fortunately, we were, uh, there's a, Ernie Straub had just been in the department and said he was looking. So I sent Ernie a resume. And uh, this is, you know, this dates, but this was back in the day when you had pagers. There weren't, there weren't cell phones. You got a page. It was a 913 number. So I knew it was Kansas City. So I ran over to the job trailer and, and called and in typical Ernie fashion, this was on a Thursday, said, yeah, I'd like to meet with you on Saturday. And I was like, well, uh, day after tomorrow? And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I can fly in. So um, my wife and I looked at it like, hey, we can we can go back and see some family for a weekend and, and got on a plane and w met with Ernie Saturday morning. And, and uh, yeah, he, he's a K-State grad as well. And it was in the height of uh, basketball season. And so we ran over to a local watering hole with one of the other guys that I was in school with that was working there and grabbed a beer and just had a nice conversation and watched some K-State basketball. And then we get back to the office and he goes, uh, so yeah, we, uh, we'll see you here in a couple of weeks. And I go, so you're offering me a job? Is that, I, no, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, details. So, <laughs> Literally two weeks to the day, though, I, I, we were back in town, um, and uh, I started out as a superintendent for, for uh, Straub Construction. Uh, we were putting in air conditioning, window changing out window wall systems, new roof. This was in 96, and so uh, it starts to make you feel old when uh, the first building I built for Straub, they tore down three years ago and built a new elementary school. <laughs> so, 
Um, I managed, uh, I was in the field for about a year or so and then moved in the office. Um, we were a growing company at the time. I think that year we did about $13 million worth of work that year. Um, and it just grew. Uh, I moved into project management. We're managing things and eventually moved into kind of our operations, uh, COO uh, type of role and overseeing things. Pre-recession of, of the 08 recession, I think it was from basically uh, July of 07 to June of 09, or July of 08 to June of 09, uh, we did a rolling 12 months, uh, 96 million uh, of work. Um, so we, we had grown, but then as you know, and most know in the industry, construction is a lagging indicator. And so uh, things scaled back significantly. And frankly, in Kansas City, it, it, the recession was just a, a, you know, on paper, it was, you know, the what the four quarters or three quarters, but the reality of it was it was four or five years that it just was stagnant. Kansas City market is, is uh, it's a wonderful place to raise a family. It's a great atmosphere. Um, it's a close, I call it a nice little smell. Cowtown, uh, everybody knows everybody, especially in the construction industry. But uh, we <laughs> we also are kind of made up. I, I use this example in in Columbus, the top two home builders, Columbus and Kansas City, very similar in size, a little over two million. Um, you know, industries a little bit different, but more white collar. Um, but uh, you know, bottom line was the top two builders in Kansas or in uh, Columbus. There about 8,000 housing permits a year for new housing. Top two builders would make up about 6,000 um, wow. between the two of them. And in Kansas City, you have about 8,000 permits, and the top two builders might make up 400. So it's really? made up of a bunch of small contractors on the residential side, but it kind of plays that same way on the, on the commercial side. Uh, a lot of medium-sized quality contractors, but... You know, when things get tight, we're all scratching and clawing for the same stuff, and the mega projects go to the to the national guys. So um, it, it's it's been interesting to say the least. And then two years ago, uh, promoted to president, um, and uh, you know we 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 had quite. We can get into it whenever you'd like to. Um, we kind of went through a transformation. Straub's a, a third generation company. We've been around for over 100 years. Um, and, you know, the reality of it is, is about four years ago, we went through an exercise of who are we and what do we want to be when we grow up as we approach our centennial? What does that next look like? And we interviewed our clients, we interviewed our people, we interviewed architects, we interviewed some of our vendors. And it became abundantly clear that our people are passionate about working with and for purpose-driven organizations. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't exclusive, exclusively mean not-for-profit. A lot of it is, but um, it's it's that mindset. It's it's organizations that are serving others, whether it's providing good quality, affordable housing, it's churches, it's medical, it's schools, it's educational, it's it's. Um, you know, organizations that are helping women get it out of human trafficking. I mean, just a number of those things. And um, it took a little bit to get the flywheel moving, but we're really excited about things right now. We've got a good backlog of work and, and it's predominantly 
with organizations that I just described and they mm -hmm. value us. We're viewed as a partner, not a commodity. And, right. they, and you know, in this, in these scary times of, of the volatility of the market here the last year, 18 months, um, you know, they want a trusted partner who's going to advocate for them and look out for them and watch their back. And, and our people do a fantastic job of that. And, and they just keep working the problems because every day there's something new right now. Of course, of course. You know, that's you, you said something interesting there, uh, Parker. And I, I, that quote that you, that you mentioned a second ago, we started asking ourselves, who are we and who do we want to be when we grow up? I, I, doing my background research on you guys before the interview, uh, I saw that in the, the Kansas City Business Journal, I believe, that quote. Was there a catalyst that kind of led you guys to, the next question kind of centers around, tell us about your company, but I know you guys have been in business 102 years, I think, if, if that's correct. Was there a catalyst that kind of led to uh, you guys asking yourselves those questions, or was that more just around the 100-year anniversary and doing some reflecting around that time frame? I think a little bit of both. Um, I, I think the reflection definitely was there. Um, it stunk because our 100 year was in you know, 2020. <laughs> we, we were supposed to have a great celebration in September of 2020 and COVID put the kibosh on that. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it, you always want to reflect. But I, I, I think also the catalyst was um, this may sound a little bit corny, but we were tired of losing. And what I mean by that was, is we were just, we were doing work, we were processing, we weren't being as successful as we wanted to be. The, the drop, long drawn out recession from 08 till, till 17, 18, that type of time frame. And it's like, look, we got to change. We got to do something different. So that was forced us to evaluate and, and, reflect what do what are we best at and let's go do that right. and and it, it and it you know a lot of contractors pigeonhole or talk about these are the market segments i'll work in any market segment i mean i'm not going to build the sprint arena or big stadiums or high rise that kind of thing but I'll, we'll work in any market mm -hmm. as long as we are working and being treated as a partner um right. I, we, we, we've done our fair share of work over the years that were just practice and we got the crud beat out of us as we, you know, could, it didn't matter. They didn't care if we were succeeding. They didn't care what problems we were dealing with. It was like, no, nope, that's yours. And it just put an adversarial, um, it, it, it put things in an adversarial way, which nobody wins in that case. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. It's, you, you've alluded to a couple of, and I, <laughs> I'd also jotted down where, where you took over as president uh, January of 2020 and got to experience a couple of months of joy, I think, and gratitude before, uh, before you know, he got slapped in the face. I want to get into that a little bit more as well, but kind of alluding maybe a two-part question here. You've talked a little bit about some of your all's core competencies and your core focus. What is your all's core focus? And then your five-year, 10-year plan, you guys had this uh, event where you asked your all's, you know, you asked some tough questions to yourselves and your clients and your employees, what does that look like for you guys five years from now, 10 years from now, so on? Well, I, I think, you know, our core competencies, like I said, it's, it's, it's a purpose-driven mindset and, and people that we work for. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of church work, a lot of schools, a lot of consulting. Um, 
To be honest with you, I, I, I'll describe it this way. We have been in kind of circle the wagon mode for so long. And this is the first time in quite some time that we now have a backlog that's allowing us to start thinking ahead. Instead of being in survivor mode, now we're in proactive mode. And, um, you know, I, I think we did a great job of navigating survivor mode. I think we, we worked hard and we've kept our team together and we've got a lot of long-term employees. I mean, they're guys, I've been here 26 years and there are two guys besides Ernie that have been here longer. So, I mean, that, that speaks volumes, especially in an industry that has pretty significant turnover. Um, so, you know, what is, what do things look like five years down the road? What, what our vision is, is that we continue to grow and grow smartly and we continue to expand. Um, I think we will have to go outside of the region. Um, we're starting to do that right now. We're working for a repeat customer on an exciting church down in South Central Missouri that uh, is working on the design assist stage right now and will break ground this summer. It's a church okay. in the prairie. Um, and this is the same order of nuns that we were able to uh, do up in Gower, Missouri. And, and you know, having that trust and relationship with, with a partner that's believes in us and, and trusts us makes it a heck of a lot easier to figure out ways of navigating that as we expand outside of that. So I, I the other nice thing about having work and being proactive is you can be more selective. And then when you're being more selective, your, your, your hit ratios become better because you're working with like-minded people as opposed right. to chasing every squirrel and rabbit that runs in front of you. <laughs> no, absolutely. Of significant events shaped your business model today. Well, you've you've mentioned a couple already. I uh, have three three that come to mind already that you've said. One being COVID, uh, which I think impacted everybody. Um, your 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 100 year anniversary or the company's 100 year anniversary, I should I should say. And then the uh, you know the recession, the 08 09 recession. Have there been any other significant events that you can point to uh, in the company that have kind of shaped the way you guys do business today? Well, I, I don't know if it's a if it's a true event, but I think it's something. Well, it's it's twofold. Let, let me and they kind of go hand in hand. And COVID, I think, brought out some of the best in our people and our industry. Um, you know, we we remained essential, which allowed us to continue to work, keep our people working. Um, we were responsible. Um, but, you know, construction is pretty archaic and slow to change. And especially at the mid-contractor mid level or, or the smaller contractor level, you know, we're, we're not going to get on the bleeding edge of, of technology and, and incorporate those things. But COVID hit, we had to. You know, right. our superintendents, we put in protocols out on job sites that, you know, you limit who that's, who's in the trailer. They've got their... Um, we all jump to Zoom or go to meetings or Teams or all of that. And, and you know what? Gain some real efficiencies to that. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I think there were some, some real good things that occurred through that. But the second piece to that is, or the related piece to that is, another event. And that is now the influx of this younger generation 
and I don't, you can call them millennials, you can call them Gen Zs, whatever you want to call them, but the younger generations. And, um, you know, they get a bad rap at times, and sometimes it's deserved, but I'll tell you what, their enthusiasm, their adaptability, um, them acknowledging and recognizing, hey, it's, it's you know, there's a work-life balance, but it really isn't a balance. It's just, it goes hand in hand. And so, you know, what the first initial thought is, well, everybody's got to come in the office and they got to be here from eight to five and I got to be seen and blah, blah. Well, you know what? No, they don't. COVID showed that. They sit right. there, they're, they're having to work from home. They're checking their emails at 6.30 in the morning when they get up. They may go walk mm -hmm. a dog, go, go mow the lawn, whatever. They may not be working the eight to five, but they're working their eight to 10 hours a day and they're making right. sure that their superintendents are getting what they need or we're getting our bids put together or, you know, and navigating that and allowing that flexibility. Um, even for our superintendents, it, I think, you know, we, we adapted where, you know, we, we had cases, there were cases of our superintendents that had to, they had to quarantine, they either got exposed or they had COVID and, all right, we just figure out how to get get the job open and things continue and we cover for each other and we deal with that. And that's, you know, that's, I, I think that, I think part of that younger generation adaptability has impacted us as an organization in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. It's forced us to look at the way we do business, if nothing else. And, and how can we be more efficient? We were in a similar situation where we were, and, you know, for a while there, we were all having to work from home. We had no choice. It was a, you know, a state order uh, to, to work from home. So it, it definitely forced us as well to kind of look in the mirror and say, can we make this work? Can we make that work and have to be flexible? Um, otherwise, you'll, you'll, unfortunately, you'll lose employees. They will, they will find somebody that, that is working with them or will be able to work with them. Uh, you know, you see that a lot. So um, one other thing I was going to ask you there on that particular piece there, uh, Patrick, the um, what, what are the skills and abilities that Parker brings uh, to the table at, at, to lead the company and, and really help you guys in your day-to-day -day mission? And apologies, I think you, I called you Patrick. I'm, Parker, my apologies. Oh, no, I've been called a lot worse, bud, so you're just fine. <laughs> I got together with some fraternity brothers last night. That, that was some humble pie. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think... I would like to think that a couple couple strengths that I bring to the table is is I I feel like that I can kind of see see things and anticipate things and help help give the coaching and mentoring to help help individuals grow and develop on their own and navigate without hovering and doing it for them. Um, I think that that's a that's an important piece, especially when you have younger younger uh, folks that are coming into the industry that are eager, but they, they want a lifeline and they want to be able to bounce things off and have an open door and, and have those discussions and dialogue and how to navigate things. I had I had one of the guys in here just a little while ago and it's a job that's been a tough one. And we started pre-COVID or we started in the midst of COVID. It was priced pre-COVID, have some pricing challenges and one of our our countertop guy is going out of out of business. Bob bankruptcy Friday, shut the doors. Right. Michael, 
we just got to keep working, buddy. Let's, where is, where is that material? Where, okay, it's at doll time. Okay, let's lock that down. Now let's go see if we can find another fabricator that will work with us. And, you know, let's communicate. And it's like, okay, stay calm, keep working the problem. Um, so I feel like that that's something that is a strength of mine. I also feel like that um, I just, I'm able to see things uh, a little bit clearer at a higher level and can anticipate a little bit better about okay what what impact will this make is it mm -hmm. positive is it a negative what where's the opportunities where how can we foster relationships and tell our story and get more information about us out there so that this flywheel can keep going and and that's something that has been fun to see this year sure there are going to be some hiccups but uh it, it really feels like things are are moving in the right direction Absolutely. You know, something interesting, I'm going to go back to the, the same article that, that what came out whenever you were taking over as president. Um, something interesting that you said, and it kind of goes into the, the skills and abilities question, but it sounds, it sounds like you made the quote, uh, hire good people, treat people the way you want to be treated, and the rest will work itself out, and none of that is going to change. That's in our DNA. And um, I, I read that, and I thought, okay, it sounds like you're committed to kind of doing things the way that they've been done and what's made you guys successful. A lot of times when you um, get a new president or a new person that's in charge, they, um, you know, they, they get, they get full of, you know, full of energy and I want to change this and change that. I want to change the world. Sounds like maybe you guys had a recipe for success and you didn't want to change that. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I, I think that's a, a fair observation. I mean, it, it's, it, uh, we needed we needed some change, but it wasn't you know there were there was a little bit of organizational changes that have occurred over the last three four years that I think have been positive. But some of that is just you know how how we do things. I mean, we used to have a director of field operations. We used to have a director of pre-construction. We used to then then a, a office head of the PMs. And uh, one of Dan is in charge of the the PMs and the and the superintendents and our workforce, and I wear dual hats as president and director of pre-construction and working with with guys. And you know that the our we had success stories even through the midst of the recession and that that long period, but we just weren't sequencing them together. We weren't getting one after another after another. It was like, okay, the first half of this year is great, second half terrible. Then you go in the next year, sec first half's terrible, second half is great. Can we string two halves together to create a good year? Can we then string two years together to have a good you know that build on that? Right. So and, and you know. This is third generational. There's four. There's three members of the fourth generation that's that are uh, working in the business. Um, Ernie's still in the business. He's CEO, and he was we. He and I and and one of the estimators were at a at a meeting yesterday um, on a on a fun, neat uh, church that's going to be built in Gladstone. That is going to be one that uh, we're going to be extremely proud of. So, um, you know, it's it's. The, the fundamentals have always been treating people the way you want to be treated and then just go from there. And I, that goes, that's not just our people, that's our subcontractors, that's our owners, that's the architects, that's, and it's a heck of a lot easier to do 
in my opinion, when you're working with purpose-driven folks and mm -hmm. it's not about them, it's not about money. Money is important. We're a for-profit business, but it's not exclusively about that. Right. Well, and it's a breath of fresh air when you when you say that and when you talk about treat, treating people the way that you want to be treated because um, you know, you, you've been in, the, been in the construction industry for some time and, and we do have a bad rap. It's unfortunate, but there's, there's a bad rap around construction and a mistrust. And um, we, we've had some success in our company by simply doing what we say that we're going to do. That doesn't seem like that's overly difficult, but unfortunately it's, uh, it's, it's not common in the construction industry and that's, that's unfortunate. Um, but, but moving on to my, my next question for you, um, what advice would you give to someone, a young up and comer that, that wants, you know, that maybe in 10 years wants Parker's job or you have a young PM or a young uh, APM or who, or, you know, whoever it might be. And he's, he's got his eye on your job in 10 years or 15 years. What, what advice would you give that individual? You know, I, and I, I'll probably butcher this. I heard this a couple times here over the, over the years and it's, and it's number one, it's the proverbial, Hey, you got one mouth and two ears. So listen, listen, <laughs> observe, soak it in. Right. I like but that. The other, thing, the other thing is, is, is relationships, relationships, relationships. I know, I don't know a ton of stuff. But what I do know is I've got a stack of contacts that I can call that know a heck of a lot more than me and can put the, the connect the dots for me and help me figure this out or help mm -hmm. us figure it out as, a, as an organization or as a group. So, um, you know, both of those things I think are key. Um, we've, Dan and I've had internal debates about is a sense of urgency, is that, teachable or is that just in somebody's dna mm -hmm. and i don't I, the jury's out because they're they're guys that just seem to have it and they're guys that you think golly they would be awesome if they just just had that urgency and don't let things sit um teach 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 and, and we've had some successes i think some of it is fear right they're afraid to make a mistake right. well the only guy the only guy not making a mistake didn't do anything so i mean it's 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 important that you know you're doing things and pushing and and so many times it's far better to to make a mistake than to sit there and just do nothing right i like your i like your take on the on the urgency and i would agree with you that i think that the jury is still out it's it's one of our core values and and something that i think has made us very successful and we to this day are still trying to figure out very similar to what you just said is that just finding the right person that has that extreme urgency, or is that something that we teach with our actions as leaders and how we respond to things? And uh, we haven't we haven't quite figured that formula out. So if you do figure that out, please shoot me an email and let me know. <laughs> I hear your thoughts on that one. Um, one. One other question I wanted to ask you: uh, you you mentioned I, I did also notice that you did a Fox and Friends interview where you talked about uh, just kind of what we're dealing with right now with the pandemic and um, you know labor shortages, material shortages, everything along that. Um, if you would talk a little bit about that and kind of what you've seen maybe since the pandemic started to where we are now, what has improved, what hasn't improved, what do you see happening over the course of the next five years? Um, you know, if there's, a, if there's an end in sight, that kind of along those lines. 
Well, it's a it's a wide. I mean, that's a there's a lot there in that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, let me back up for a second. The the Fox and Friends thing was was a a a fun but challenging thing. You know, it was oh, I was way out of my comfort zone. You know, I we had. I'm, I'm our current uh, Kansas City chapter of Associated General Contractors. I'm our current president. Okay. And AGC National would put out a request and ask, hey, anybody dealing with labor short or uh, material shortages and having to swap out materials? And I had responded and we, we had had two jobs that we have the roof insulation that was poly ISO and we were having to switch to EPS and what that ramifications were. And um, they had put me in touch with a Wall Street Journal writer and got quoted in that with an article and then it was like thursday morning we get an email in our info at straub account that fox and friend producer was reaching out and wanted to talk and it was like at six o'clock on thursday night yeah can you be there at uh 6 30 or no 5 30 in the morning on on your job site and i was like you know it's uh dark here right but yeah no so we did and and um you know it, have you ever done one of those i i don't know if i want to say i haven't had the privilege or if i've been fortunate enough not to do it but no i have not well i mean this is so much easier right even if we have a little bit of screen breakup or whatever we're we're seeing each other this uh -huh. thing i'm looking right into a camera and my only contact to steve Ducey is right in my ear and that's it and <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, it was a little nerve wracking, but um, onto the topic, I mean, that, that was a thing that, you know, from, from the, I'm gonna start with the material and then I'll move into labor. Material, there is something new every day, um, mm -hmm. every week. I, we went from a roof insulation to TPO shortages to then we can't get fasteners. Uh, lead time on the, on the in, bat insulation is absurd. Uh, doors and frames are 30 weeks in some cases. I mean, it's just one thing after another, and it's just what what's going to hit this week. What's the next thing? Um, I, in a way, though, I, I will say this, and it kind of ties back to what I said earlier about sense of urgency. The guys have to have a sense of urgency because they got to get stuff coming. They don't want their superintendent barking because he doesn't have it. He doesn't care if it takes 30 weeks. Then you need to think about it 30 weeks before I need it. And so it kind of helps train that urgency. Um, so I, everything I read and everything I see, I think we are, this is, this is the 22 and probably part of 23, we're gonna have this. We're gonna have the volatility. Um, you know, there's, there's debate on, hey, inflation, it's gonna slow things down, interest rates are going up, but you know, I my first house my interest rate was 10 percent or 9.8 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know I, I refinanced last year at 2.5 right <laughs> i mean it, okay it goes up to four well that's still a really good interest rate <laughs> i mean so i you know i i don't know i don't know how how much that will cool things off um what i will tell you is over the last 18 months the predominant volatility in pricing has been materials and commodities. Mm -hmm. What I'm sensing and seeing now is now we're going to combine that with wages because our workers, they're dealing with inflation in their lives. 
they don't count fuel and they don't count food but a gallon of milk is 450 i mean it's you we're the things that we're buying every day they need money to do so and so there's upward pressures on um on wages and and that sort of thing as for the workforce itself that is i'm cautiously optimistic and this is completely anecdotal i've got one one that uh one kid that graduated last year um and she's out in salt lake and then my son's a sophomore down at university of arkansas um and you know it's a it's it's a mortgage Mm-hmm. to go to college right and parents are really starting to look at the roi on spending hundred and ten thousand dollars for little johnny or susie to go get a sociology degree or a history degree or something when they could go right into an apprenticeship program work have the apprenticeship program paid by the employer and be making a significant wage that leads to 60, 80, 100, $120,000 a year job. Right. And, you know, I, that it starts to really resonate when they understand that. I've got, you know, there were two, for my oldest daughter, there were two kids in her class that I happened to run into parents a couple of weeks apart. This was a year or two ago. And their kids were struggling. They had they had dropped out of school. They weren't sure what he's doing. I said, "Have you ever thought about the trades?" Oh gosh, no. I mean, they don't have 401k. They don't. They don't have retirement. They don't have health benefits. I'm like, that's not true. I mean, <laughs> the quality firms have are providing that for their employees. Right. We have, we have a 401k. We have a, a health savings or or a health insurance along with an HSA that we contribute to for them. I mean, we have bonus structure, we have raises, we train them. I mean, it's, it's, it is truly a, a way of, of an opportunity that the return on the investment is far, far greater. And for many kids don't want to sit in the classroom. Now I recognize fully that there are growth and going away to school and and finding yourself and and learning about yourself and gaining that independence, there really is benefit to that. But is it $120,000? Is it, is there, is there, in my opinion, and I, I'll preach this till the day is long because many of the state schools, their enrollments are dropping and declining and funding's getting cut because they don't have the students. Right. Well, have they thought about adopting programs where they, they're going to maybe be a two-year, where a kid wants to go to experience college game day at, at KSU Stadium or Allen Fieldhouse for basketball or KU or whatever, but they're in a training, more of a training program, a skills training program. Um, I think that that's something that, that should be looked at. I also, this is my personal opinion and and I, I'm, we work with union and non-union subs on every job. There are fantastic workers in both the merit shop world and in the, in the union world. But I wish that we could have an adult conversation about the archaic way that our apprenticeship programs are operated. 
I've never changed brake pads in my life. Four mm -hmm. years ago, I watched a YouTube video and I changed brake pads. Am I a mechanic? Absolutely not. But my point is that there are other ways to learn and there are other ways that might attract people to our industry. And that's what we need. Right. We need we need youth in our industry. The average age of a carpenter, I, the last time I looked, I think it was like 57. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're leaving and we're not backfilling. So right. our shortage is going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what a lot of what you said so insightful there. And I think we could probably talk for three more hours about that because I, I have some strong feelings uh, similar to a lot of what you said there. One thing I do want to take out of there for your son, big game tomorrow against the Zags. Yeah. He's, I'm sure they're going to be a nervous wreck down there. And I'm glad that, you know, we're, we're Kentucky guys that we obviously didn't, uh, we didn't do so hot flaming out to a 15 seat. So we're left with Arkansas to represent us in the, in the rest of the tournament. So. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I, like I said before, I'm a K-Stater and I'm not a big KU fan. So uh, Arkansas is my team the rest of the way. So right. yep, I, don't I spent a lot more money at Arkansas than I did at K-State. <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, partner, let me do uh, this last little section there is just kind of quick fire and then I'll let you get back to your day. Um, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, I, I just rate the importance of the following in construction and kind of briefly explain your answer. Um, so the first one, scheduling. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack this just a little bit from you because because here's here's our philosophy. Scheduling, quality, and safety. Those are the three tasks that our superintendents are dealing with. And the reality of it is, it's one A, one B, one C. What is the moment at that time? Is it you're you're walking the job with the owner and your overall quality? It, it, that's the most important at the moment. We want everybody to go home safely. And scheduling, if the schedule's not being run properly, the job's not. You, I I can guarantee you this. This I've taught. I've said this to to the guys, and they're tired of hearing it, but they know it's right. I can't guarantee a job is going to make the money it's supposed to. But I can guarantee it won't if the project runs long, mm -hmm. period. That's just a fact. And so scheduling is extremely important. Um, and we approach it a little bit uniquely, um, just in the sense that uh, it's not just, it's not a scheduling department or a PM that's driving it, it's our superintendents, because they're the boots on the ground. Absolutely, yep. Boots on the ground with the know-how, right? Yep. <laughs> Uh, what about estimating on a scale of one to ten? You, it, it is, it's the foundation. Mm -hmm. It's the foundation for the for the success of the project. However, I will say this: there have been bad estimates, but a good superintendent and project manager still made it a successful project. So, I, we don't make a dime in the office. We can lose a lot of money in the office. <laughs> But we don't make a penny in here. It's made in the field. And so we can have the best estimate in the world and a poor superintendent and the project's not going to be successful. So I, I would I would put it in a in a seven, eight type of category. It's important, but um, what happens in the field is most important. Right. No, very true. Very true. What about business development? One to ten. So 
that's loaded and I, and I, I'm a little bit uh, how I'll put it just just after the last 10 years of what we've experienced it's been when we didn't really do business development well um, you know that led to our good one quarter or good one half of the year but not the second half of the year um, I think it's it's probably up there with an estimating aspect and in, in an eight um, you got to be building relationships, but it's it's twofold. It's a heck of a lot easier to keep a customer than go out and get a new one. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I will tell you is if you execute in the field, business development's a lot easier because it's word of mouth. We mm -hmm. a great example of this, and it kind of ties with that flywheel that I'm talking about is we started out with one church. And then they had a relationship with another pastor and it led to a second one that's a 10 million dollar church that then they had a relationship with the with the folks who were getting women out of human trafficking and that led to a renovation and then that relationship led us to two um, assisted living facilities one of which we're currently remodeling and the other one is a five million dollar project that we'll be starting here in the next 60 days so that it just let that all started from that one that we did three years ago Right. And we're doing their second, they were doing an addition on to it. So, you know, business development, that was a lot easier to do when we performed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you've mentioned, uh, I wanted to get your insight on that specific one to business development, just because of the, some of the things that you've said in this podcast. And I've heard you say relationships twice now. And I, um, I don't think I realized getting into the industry 15 years ago, what that meant for construction. I think I've carried a mindset of, Construction's uh, the most, the, the largest industry in the United States. There's no way so and so is going to know so and so or this, that, the other. It's actually a much, much smaller world than you realize. And in and specific to our business, we we have consultants all over the United States, which even complicates it even further for us because one bad apple in California affects what we do in Kentucky. And so they really relationships really, really do matter. Uh, and I think it took me some hard, uh, you know, school of hard knocks to actually learn that and, uh, you know, kind of get that through my thick skull. So, but yeah, they, they definitely matter. Well, well, Parker, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you being on today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Some fantastic insight. Um, looking, looking forward. I want to connect with you on LinkedIn and, uh, we have a few clients out in Kansas City. If I've ever make it out that way. I'll definitely look you up and like to go to lunch. You're very, very yeah. good to talk to you. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to say before we wrap up today? Oh, just appreciate you, you guys reaching out and what you're doing and trying to promote the message. Again, it, you know, this it, hopefully this might resonate to somebody out there that uh, is following you and 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 uh, interested in the industry. Construction's a fantastic industry. It's hard. It's hard work, but it's rewarding. Um, you know, we've got our we've got our blue collar leader and Mike Rowe that's up there promoting our workforce development and and you know a good hard day's work and and recognizing that. Um, the other thing I'll say, and this is a plug, I, I I've mentioned before that I was a a uh, I'm current president of our AGC chapter here in Kansas City. I'm also a past chairman of our associate builders and contractor organization, uh, Merit Shop. And if it weren't for those types of organizations, and for us specifically, our organizations here, 
um, we would not have remained essential. We would not have been able to navigate COVID like we were able to. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that people go, man, that's a big check to write just to be involved in an association. What am I going to get out of it? Well, mm -hmm. I can tell you what, any that the amount of money that we've spent over the years, we got out of it the last two and then some. And so I would encourage folks to, if they're not a, me a member of either of those organizations to explore it because it's extremely important and, and we need them fighting for us. And they're fighting for us at the state level, the, the municipal level, and at the federal level. And as we've all learned, uh, elections matter and they have consequences. So um, yep. it's important that uh, we, we we get out there and that's that's a way of us having a voice. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have that advocate. So, well, again, Parker, thank you so much. Wish you guys the best and uh, look forward to uh, connecting with you and maybe speaking again sometime in the near future. Sounds good, Matt. If you're out here, yeah, I'll take you to some good barbecue. All right, sounds good. I'll take you up on that. Thanks, Parker. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.